Today's show is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Visit GoDaddy.com and enter promo code Gilbert149 to get your $49.com today. Go Daddy! It's go time! with my co-host Frank Santo Padre and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. Today, a legendary singer and actor who's worked with Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, Groucho Marx, Jackie Gleason, John Wayne, Lucille Ball, and Jack Benny, just to name a few. My fellow teen idol, Frankie Avalon. Zero, spelled X-E-R-O, is the online accounting software and platform for your small business. With Zero, it doesn't matter if your small business is brick and mortar or online. That's because Zero was born in the cloud and built in the cloud. That means that you can manage your accounting anytime, anywhere, from your Mac, PC, iOS, or Android device. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at Zero.com slash podcast to manage your invoicing and get paid faster. Get an instant view of your cash flow. Track your expenses on the go and manage your financial reports. You can even collaborate with your accountant or bookkeeper in real time whenever you like. Zero seamlessly integrates over 350 best-in-class business tools to process mobile payments, manage payroll, run your back office, and much, much more. It's no wonder over 370,000 customers in more than 100 and 80 countries use zero. And you can too. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at zero.com slash podcast. That's zero.com slash podcast. And not only that, zero randomly selects five people a month who have signed up to receive a mystery box of goodies. Zero plus from a company that already swears by zero. Zero, beautiful accounting software. Our guest today went from trumpet player to a teen idol selling millions of records to sharing the big screen with Groucho Marx, 
Bob Hope and John Wayne, not to mention Boris Karloff, Ernie Koufax, and Buster Keaton. Please welcome to the show the original teen idol, Frankie Avalon. Thank you. Why are you yelling? <laughs> But a good yell, though. I got yes. That, well, thank you very much. It's, it's really nice to be with you and Frank and uh, kind of talk about things that have been part of my life, I guess. Now, we have something in common, both being teen idols. <laughs> but, <laughs> but how did it happen for you? Actually, it, it happened. Uh, I was with a band. I was a trumpet player. I started as a trumpet player. And I was with a band called Rocco and his Saints. And I played uh, trumpet. And... Uh, we used to play this one place in, in Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia, called Murray's Inn. And uh, people kind of would come up to the stage and say, Hey, Frankie, can you play this? Hey, Frankie, can you play that? And Frankie, can you sing this? Frankie, can you sing that? And finally, Rocco, who was the leader of the band, said uh, to me, You know, you got to start singing. I said, Hey, you paid me as a trumpet player. That's what I do. He said, I'll give you an extra five bucks. I said, I'll do it. <laughs> and that's how I really started. And, of course, a, a new record company came along, uh, Chancellor Records, and they came in to see uh, one of our uh, uh, shows there. We used to do five sets a night. Uh, we went, went down to Atlantic City, and, and we started playing these little clubs. They came in, and they signed our band, and uh, we recorded. The first record we did was called um, Cupid Shot an Arrow, which I did the vocal on. And uh, the other side was called Jiving with the Saints. And uh, it came out, and nothing really happened with it, uh, except that they put me out there. He bought me a $12 suit, and they put me out there. And I started to go around the country doing these record hops and things. And the kids started to say, how can we write to you? What's your fan club? How this? And, and all of a sudden, uh, my manager at the time, Bob Marcucci, said, uh, I think you got something these kids like. And that started it. And, and how did the big break come with, with Jackie Gleason? That happened, um, I was about 11 years old, and I went to see a movie called Young Man with the Horn, and I, I just fell in love with the sound of the trumpet, and I guess I related to the, the, the young boy who uh, really grew up to be the best trumpet player in the world, and I related to that, and I came uh, out of the movie. I was there all day. You know, my mom used to Kirk pack Douglas a lunch. Movie. Yeah, Kirk yeah. Douglas, and, mm -hmm. and pack a lunch, and I would stay there, and I watched the movie all day, and I came home, and I said to my dad, I said, Dad... Uh, can you buy me a trumpet? He said, you want to play trumpet? Because he loved music, my father. I said, yeah. And he went to a pawn shop. He got me a horn, and I, I took the horn into my bedroom, and I didn't come out until I played my first song. That started it. And But the way you met um, Gleason, Jackie oh, Gleason. Oh, yeah. Well, well yeah. what happened was um, Al Martino, who is from the neighborhood of South Philadelphia, was a big star at this time. Johnny Fontaine in The Godfather. Uh, exactly, yeah. yeah. But he, he, <laughs> he had this one song called Here in My Heart, which was number sure. one around the world. And in the neighborhood, they were giving him a party for his success, you know. And there was crowds all around, you know, to these row homes and little streets in South Philadelphia there. And I took my horn, and I wiggled my way through, and I knocked on the door. A guy opened the door, and I said, uh, could I play my trumpet for Al Martino? They said, who are you? I said, my name is Frank Avalone. I live uh, around the corner. He said, come on in. And the party was really happening. I took out the horn, I started to play, and it's like an old movie, you know. Everybody kind of stopped. And I played very well for a, a little kid. 
And uh, Al Martino uh, said to the guys who his house he was at, said, uh, who was this kid? He said, I don't know. He said, his name is Avalone. He lives around the neighborhood. He said, let's t- call his mother and father, see if we could take him to New York. I think this kid can play. So they did. My mom uh, and dad uh, agreed, and they took me into New York. Uh, and I went to a, a big agency at the time called GAC, General Artist Corporation. And Jack Sobel was the agent, and I took out the horn, and I played for him. He said, I got an idea. This kid plays good. We handle Jackie Gleason. He's got a penthouse at the Sheridan Hotel. We'll go and take him, and he'll play for Jackie. loves the trumpet, Jackie. So I go in there, and there the writers are there and this, and Gleason wasn't there. Well, it was a penthouse. I didn't know where he was, but I took out my horn, and I started to play. In the corner of my eye, I see Gleason come out of the room. I finish the song. And he yells down, write a show, I won him one in two weeks. And that was it. So what was Gleason like to work with? He was phenomenal. First of all, you know, his mind, uh, uh, he, he, he knew everybody's lines and everything. He was a, a genius, really, you know. And he was a wonderful guy, very quiet, really a quiet kind of a guy. Um, I, I, I worked with him not only that time as a young boy playing trumpet, but I also did uh, his show later on uh, in, in, uh, in his life, in my life, out of uh, Florida. Oh, the Miami Beach show. The, the Miami Gleason Beach show, yeah. 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 And, of course, I would – and we had just finished doing a picture together, and I spent a lot of time with him. And I had a – I had a, a, a picture was called Skidoo. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell well, you – Gilbert Frank, and I are well familiar with yes, it. Yes, it's come yes, up before on yes, the podcast. Frank, Is that right? Oh, yeah? sure. Frank, Frank and I are big fans. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, now, Otto Preminger directed it. And, you know, I had heard a lot of stories about Otto Preminger as a director being really tough, you know. And – um I didn't know exactly what to expect, uh, but the first day of shooting, for me, I had no dialogue, and it was where I was supposed to drive this car, and Arnold Stang was in the scene, and, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, as I, I hit my mark and all this, all, all of a sudden I hear Preminger, that everybody talked about, saying, what are you doing? <laughs> You're not an actor, to Arnold Stang, to this, to John Philip Law, and all this other stuff. So... Now comes the second, third day of shooting, and we're up in San Francisco, and I've got a scene with Cesar Romero, Jackie Gleason, Carol Channing, and I've got a, a couple line, and, and Gleason says to me something, and he, and, and he smacks me across the faces, and, and Preminger said, well, go over and practice, you know, the slap. So I go with Gleason, and Jackie says, Pally, he says, <laughs> he says vaudeville, just, just when I touch your face, just go. Uh, I said, okay, Jackie, that's fine. Now we come to the scene, and Bremer says, Roman, action. All of a sudden, he smacked me across the face. Are you kidding? Gleason did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. My ears were ringing. (laughs) Finally, after about four or five takes, you know, they had to stop makeup, and because I had fingerprints all over my face, you know, Jackie. Vaudeville, I said, Jackie? Yeah, oh, yeah. Now, we finished the picture, and... uh, I'm doing Jackie's show down in Miami, and I go into his dressing room. He says, have you seen the picture? I said, yeah. He hadn't seen it yet. You know? He said, what do you think? I said, Jackie, it's embarrassing. He said, really? He said, oh, my God. I listened to Preminger. I went with him, everything he wanted me to do. I said, he said, will I be embarrassed to go to the opening, the premiere? I said, yeah. 
I really was that honest with you. Yeah. Because the picture, I thought. Horrible. It's horrible. One, it's one of the great bad movies of oh all time. God. And it's we got uh, a tremendous cult following yeah. for yeah, how bad I know. it is. Yeah, I uh, know. Uh, we had Leon Shamroy, you know, uh, who was the lighting director. He did all Marilyn Monroe pictures. I mean, we had the best. The cast, as you know. Sure. Uh, Everybody's in it. Fred everybody. Clark and, yeah. and Cesar Romero, oh, Frank Gorshin. Yeah. And, and he just, uh, hey, let's face it, he had no sense of humor. You know, yeah. Well, he wasn't known for directing no, comedies. No, and and I should throw in the John Philip Law quick uh, okay. bit of information that for people who don't remember John Philip Law, very very handsome yes. uh, leading man, and he was offered two movies at the same time. One was Skidoo, mm-hmm. and the other was Midnight Cowboy. Wow! Yeah, what a choice, huh? Yeah, and uh, I guess he felt. Hey, well, listen, Jackie you know, Gleason and Groucho, Groucho Marx, Marx. Right. and how about Otto Preminger? Right. Yeah. These guys' credits were sure. incredible. You sure. Know? The you, funny thing is, they he, he wouldn't even see me for the role. You played a mobster son. You played right, you played Angie, right. but he wouldn't see me. And my agent, uh, who is still my agent, every film I've ever done, he he made the deal for me is Jack Gillardi. And he said, I got an idea. Uh, and he said, what do you mean? He said, well, he doesn't want to see you because he says, I don't want this beach boy in my picture. You know? He said, I'm going to say it's Frank Avalone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I said, Jack, you can't do that. He said, listen to me. So we go to Paramount Studios. I go to big office, big desk, and Otto Premier sitting behind the, the desk there. And I walk in, and Gleason's uh, and uh, Preminger says to me, "What are you bringing me, this Beach Boy?" <laughs> so I sat down, and in no longer than ten minutes, he said, "Okay, uh, you got the part. I'll talk to your agent." And that was it. Now you worked there. One of the many times you worked with him, because just last night I was watching a clip of you on "You Bet Your Life," yeah. singing "I Can't Give You Anything But yeah, Love" with, with, with Groucho. Groucho. Yeah. How, what, tell us about Groucho Marx. Well, he was, you know, I, I, as later on in years, because I did a lot of the game shows at those times, you know, a lot of, you know, guys would do these game shows, and Groucho did a lot of them too, you know. Not only You Bet Your Life, you know, guest appearances. And uh, I always kind of said, you know, he's a dirty old man. <laughs> I mean, he looked at every dame that was out there, you know, look at their legs, look at this, you know. And uh, he always had remarks, of course, you know, and all crummy, dirty remarks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. When you did You Bet Your Life, I mean, and he comes back into your life all these years later. Yeah. In, in Skidoo. That had, yeah. to be, that had to be strange. Absolutely. I mean, all through the years, the guys that I've worked with, uh, one time or another, it, it's a, it amazes me. And, and when I think back and all those things that I've done, I say, wow, I was with the best. I was with guys that – and, you know, I, I really became a student of, of, of uh, the art of trying to act and watch these guys and how they – work the camera and all this other stuff. I'd sit on my chair there and just watch all these guys and how they did it. Because, they, you know, they were, they were pros, all 100% pro. And before we turn the mics on, uh, I, w- I remember I was basically saying, uh, you know, shut up, Frankie. <laughs> you save all this for uh, the show. And tell us about Sinatra. Uh, Frank Sinatra, my... Absolute idol, and of course uh, everybody else's too. But he was he was incredible. He, uh, you know, I I got to hang with him, which was really kind of neat, and stay at his house, you know. 
And amazing about him um, is that if when I would stay at his house, you know, he had these uh, casitas, they were called, and little houses. And he would call one would be uh, My Way, the other one. Was this was the Palm Springs place? Yeah, uh-huh. in Palm Springs. I would stay there. And you had access to 24-hour whatever you wanted. I don't care if you wanted a car or this or anything that you wanted, you got, you know. And you wouldn't see Sinatra uh, Frank would only come out about 5.30 at night, and we'd have dinner or go someplace and have dinner. But all day you'd stay by his pool or go play golf or whatever it is. And, you know, he, he just wouldn't see you until he wanted to see you. And, uh, and you know, many times I s- stayed up with him where he was drinking and you had to stay and you, you try to sneak out. Where are you going? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you listen to his stories and all this other stuff. He was quite a, well, what an artist, though. I mean, he was just brilliant, you know. You, you were telling how he used to learn his songs. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Darren, James Darren, we're from the same neighborhood in South Philadelphia, and we're very good friends, and he's v- really close to the Sinatra family. And I said to him, Jimmy, Sinatra, how did he learn songs? You know, I said, because, you know, we're both musicians, so we could read music. And he said, well, they would play him songs, and he would say, I want to do that one. And then they would give him the lyrics, and uh, he would take the lyrics alone for two weeks and just, just keep read it like a book. And after the two weeks of really learning what that song was all about and, and uh, the concept of the writer and the lyrics, then he would get involved uh, with getting a piano player and starting to learn uh, the music end of it. And um, you uh, – I, oh, I remember a story that hearing Boris Karloff uh, taught Frank Sinatra, he said, you sing with your voice – uh, you have to learn to act with your voice. And Boris Karloff used to give Frank Sinatra acting lessons. Really? Yeah. I, I never heard yeah, that. Yeah, his daughter told us that. Wow. Sarah that's Karloff. Awesome, yeah. Karloff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I worked with Karloff, too. Yeah, was it oh, Muscle God. Beach Party? One, one of the beach movies. One of the beach things, yeah. yeah. Um, he was in a couple of them, I think. Oh, was he? I don't know. They were all they the all same. They all run together for you, don't they? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're all the same. Did, did you uh, get to know Karloff at all? No, no. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I talk with him a bit, but, you know, we were so busy. We did those pictures in 15 days. So, I mean, I was learning. I was playing dual roles, this, that, and other. And, um, I, you know, I just kind of con- uh, conversation, small conversation. Let's go back to South Philly for a minute. We'll get to the we'll get to the beach movies. I'm not sure where that sound suddenly came from. I think that's Carla. Mm-hmm. It might be. Yeah. So many people came out of South Philly. Where you're yeah. from, particularly singers: Eddie Fisher, uh-huh. Mario Lanza, Bobby Rydell, who we were talking about right. before. We turned the mics on. Chubby Checker. Right. How, what do you attribute that to? B- B- Buddy Greco. Buddy yeah. Greco. Al Martino. Uh, yeah. All yeah. Of them. You know, I don't know. Um, I, I think, you know, when you're from a, a, a neighborhood, you know, uh, all different kinds of uh, ethnic uh, groups, you know, music, uh, whether it be Jewish, Italian, uh, black, whatever it may be, everybody sang, everybody liked music, and I think it was just uh, the run of the the time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, now, just recently, um, uh, your co-star, uh, Net Funicello, passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, it's. Could you tell us some memories? I I heard like, unlike so many movie teams who hate each other, off camera, you two actually loved each other. Well, you, you know, um, when I first met Annette, uh, before we even started doing films together, we were doing a show for Dick Clark uh, at the Hollywood Bowl, 
and she was about 15. I was a little older than, than Annette. And um, I thought she was awfully cute, and uh, I asked if I could give her a call and maybe take her on a date or something, you know. And she gave me her number, and I called. And, of course, I had to go to the house and meet the mom and dad. And I took her to have a slice of pizza, and uh, <laughs> that was our first meeting. <laughs> and then later on in years, uh, we, uh, they cast me to do uh, Frankie in, in uh, the first beach party. And I said, who's playing uh, Dee Dee? What was the character's name? They said, Annette Fonicello. I said, oh, great. And uh, the first scene we did together, uh, I said to the director, Bill Asher, I said, you know, this is really going to be a lot of fun. And it was. And we had the best time. We made about seven, eight pictures together, a lot of television together. And we never had an argument, uh, never a disagreement. Uh, it was just a wonderful friendship. Uh, and it's a shame that uh, she, she had this disease that was so debilitating. And it, was, it was terrible life for her, really. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny, like, Disney always had a habit of finding these cute girls mm-hmm. who would later on become objects of lust to any boy out there. Yeah. Like Miley Cyrus and Selena yeah. Gomez and yeah. all those. And it's like she uh, – I don't think she was trying to be a sex symbol. Never, but, never. But everyone noticed she was developing yes. each movie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> and largely. <laughs> no. No, she was she was a great looking gal and never played on it, you know. She she had that it, you know. That was it. And when did you you said I think you first noticed something was wrong during um uh, Back to the Beach, which was a takeoff on your movies. Yeah, well, first of all, I, 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 she had gotten very thin for that role, you know. And most women always want to look, you know, lighter pounds-wise because of the screen. It puts some extra weight on you. But she was very thin and... Um, this is around 87 now, Back to the Beach. yeah. yeah. And, you know, she did very well. She's very good in that picture. And uh, uh, we had finished shooting, but we had to do a lot of promo stuff. So we would go and, 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 and do some things uh, in front of the camera promoting our film and the cue cards. And she couldn't see and couldn't see. And finally, um, she was stumbling around when we were shooting on the beach. And I said, you know, we don't have our, our uh, sand legs anymore, you know, whatever it was. And finally she went and got got uh, went to an optometrist uh, for her eyes and and they really that's when she was diagnosed with ms and then we went on the road and her husband said to me he said uh, he used to call me little buddy he said hey little buddy can i meet you a little earlier because we were rehearsing putting our show together for the road theaters and i said sure so i got there about a hour earlier than our call time to rehearse and he sat down. He said, I want to tell you something. I want you to be very quiet about this. I don't want you to say anything, not even to her. But she has a disease, MS. And I went, what? And that was it. Mm-hmm. You guys are a great team, such great chemistry and such energy. And she was saying before, she was a, she was a very vibrant performer, oh. very lively. Yeah, yeah. Terrific gal. And also, it was what's so funny about that movie, Back to the Beach, 
is it's you and Annette like poking fun at yourself. Right. Well, yeah, you sort of, they sort of took the Brady Bunch movie approach where they yes. did a parody of the beach movies. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I love when you're using the kid's head as a battering oh, Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Funny scene. And yeah. everybody turned up in that. I mean, Don Adams is in it and Bob Denver and Alan oh, Hale yeah. and, and Pee Wee. Yeah. They all, oh, Pee Wee yeah. loved our original films. Yeah. And uh, when we had asked him to do it, because he was very hot at the time with the Playhouse. Sure. And he came on, and we, we just loved him. He's a wonderful guy, talented guy. And it was a great scene in there. Another great scene is with uh, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, yeah. And Dick, Dick Dale. Dale. Oh, sure. What a combination. Yeah. yeah. What a That's great, great. It's scene. A video, the, the song's great. You can find yeah. the video on YouTube, yeah. and it's yeah. worth watching. Terrific. And once again, I have to ask you about another performer because you worked with all of them, and that's uh, the great Jack Benny. Oh, Benny was wonderful. I did my first uh, meeting with him and working with him was his The Jack Benny Show. And uh, it was a, a nice, cute little show about me recording, and he's never been to a recording session, and he comes in and he does all these things in the studio. <laughs> but after that, he said, Frankie, I want you to work with me uh, in Las Vegas. I want you to open for me, which I did. And I loved uh, working with him because he would give me such you know, advice like, we would do a, a sketch. I, he would say to me, Frankie, now, <laughs> why is it that all singers uh, are Italian? And I say, yeah, <laughs> that's right, Mr. Benny. And I say, uh, you know, Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra, Al Martino. And he said, well, you know, we have a lot of Jewish singers, too. <laughs> so I'd say, okay. And he'd say, well, like, uh, like uh, Tony Martin, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> So now he would say to me, now wait until I come back to you to read your next line. Okay? So I was, he would say, uh, no, I would say uh, Sammy Davis Jr. And he would do his little take, you know, all the way, and come back to me. And then he'd say to me, funny his uncle wasn't. <laughs> now, he was great to work with, too. And, 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 you know, all that frugal stuff about him, you know, being a cheap, uh, cheap guy and all this at the end of the performance, he gave me a, a pair of cufflinks that were beautiful uh, sapphires and very generous man. And I, I heard everyone said Benny was like the nicest person. Just terrific. Just terrific. Yeah, he was beloved. Yeah. And, you know, not uh, as uh, the opposite Lucy. Lucy, when you would go in to read for I did a few Lucy shows. You know, you'd go around with the writers and whoever's in the cast and so forth, and pencils are all over the place, and, you, you know, you make changes, and she would make changes constantly. Benny would just sit there and say, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. <laughs> you know, he'd accept it because he, he trusted the, the writers, you know. I heard Benny was also, like, brilliant as far as he would hear a joke. He would get a tremendous laugh, and he'd say, that's a really great joke but it just doesn't fit in with the show. It could be, yeah. 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 You know, a lot of, a lot of performers are like that. You know, it, it, it's good, but it's not for me. It's not what I represent. You know, you've got to be careful. I mean, if you do have a path and a way for your career and you believe it, you've got to stick with it. Otherwise, you, you just don't go off and, you know, because uh, there's some uh, off-color humor that you're going to do that. I learned a long, long time ago, uh, a cheap joke is not worth it. You know, do something. Well, worth then I would have no career whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, 
one writer that I worked with, and I loved him, his name was Bobby O'Brien, and he wrote for Lucy and a lot of other people, too. And he would say to me, don't do cheap jokes. Say something that maybe isn't a belly laugh or a laugh, but let them take you home. Let them talk about you and what you said around the table in the morning, you know. And so Lucy was a bit of a general on the set, huh? Oh, controlling every oh, everything, are every you every kidding? detail. She'd say, "Come on, come upstage a little more, Frankie. Play to this camera here. Do the." I mean, she she knew everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, she learned it from Desi. Of course, and she loved Desi to the day they both went. You know, and he invented the multiple camera. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Format. Yeah, it, I we were talking to um, Robert Osborne from Turner Classic mm-hmm. Movies, and. Well, I mean, everyone knows, like, Desi Arnaz was like this unsung genius. Everything yeah. we know about TV, yeah. he invented. And but and he said that after they divorced, after he was cheating on her and everything, she still remained in love. In him. love. I mean, um, Lucy, I really got to know her. And um, she, as an example... I would talk to her, you know, we would come back from a, a plane trip or something on the, on the flight, and she would talk about Lu, uh, Desi and tell me how brilliant he was. Uh, a, a, an example with Desi Lu's studios, she told me that, you know, in his broken English, uh, on the floor had plans of where cameras were going to go and this, and, he, and she was, you know, thrilled to just tell me about all this other stuff. And she really did love him all the time. She, that love never left. I was doing a show uh, in Vegas, and Lucy came in to see me, and uh, I was doing a uh, – I tried to do something a little bit different, a little dramatic thing uh, in my show. And Lucy came back after the show, and she said, take that number out. I said, which number, Lucy? She said, the one about the kids. I said, but but Lucy, I'm trying to establish something that's a little more dramatic for me. She said, I don't want to hear that song, and neither does the audience. I said, uh, why? She said, well, listen to what you're saying. It was a song that Sonny and Cher did called You Better Sit Down, Kids. I'll tell you why, kids. Your mother and I, kids, don't see eye to eye, kids. It's about a divorce. Yeah. She said to me, you know how many people are out there that are going through that? She said, take it out. And she was right. Interesting. Yeah. Now I gotta ask you about another hero of mine, Peter Laurie. Oh, I love Peter. <laughs> <laughs> he he constantly would say to me, "I love Italians." <laughs> of course, he loved wine. You know. uh-huh. He was a big wine drinker. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, and Walter Pidgeon, you know, and, and working. Oh yeah, on Voyage to the guys. Bottom of the Sea. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, we'll get to that too. Okay. Yeah. Before, I just want to get to all the movies, but let, let's just go back a second and, and talk about how you go from Teen Idol to movies. I mean, you, you, you make Dee Dee Dinah's the first hit. Right, is right. It, and first of all, is it true that you held your nose while you were well, recording Well, I that? sang through my nose. Okay. That's the way I did right. it. Because to me, it was a very staccato arrangement. And, you know, everybody's, uh, you know, kind of learning their parts and all this other stuff. And after a while, I'm, I'm singing, I love my Dinah, Dee Dee Dinah, love my Then uh, after a few uh, rehearsals, and the producer said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. It sounds very staccato. He said, do it like that i said what he said yeah it's a, it's a gimmick sound let's do it that was a song you didn't like 
No, I didn't yeah, like it. Yeah, no. yeah. And of course, they put it out, and it was my first hit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then how did you? How did we get to Venus? Which which changed everything? Venus happened because. Again, in the neighborhood, uh, there was a, a knock on the door, and I was uh, in South Philly, and, and I opened the door, and the guy introduced himself. He said, my name is Ed Marshall. I'm a songwriter. Can I play a song for you? I said, yeah, come on in. I had a piano, and he sat down at the piano, and he plays dee da da dee da dee da 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 dee da and he starts singing this Venus goddess of love that you are. And I, I listened to the song. I went, what, 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 play that again, please. He plays it again. I called the record company right there, and I said, I got a song. You've got to hear this song. I'm going to bring him over to because the record company was out of Philly. And I said to him, have you played this song for anybody else? He said, yeah. I just come from Al Martino's house. I said, well, what did Al think of it? He said he liked it, but he think it would be a good song for an album. Interesting. So I took it. And they three days later, I came into the city. Bell Sound Studios. I did seven takes on it. I waited until four o'clock in the morning with the acetate so I could take it back to Philly. I played it constantly. I just thought this song was the best song I've ever had offered to me. What was it? Was it just that you fell in love with the song musically or you sensed a hit? Or both? Both. Both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just loved the song. I, I thought the melody was wonderful. The, the message was just great. And when we were going, Pete DeAnzis wrote the arrangement. And, of course, we, uh, Bob Marcucci was my manager. And we were driving into New York. He was driving Bob. And Pete was in the back with the guitar and, you know, learning the song and more feel to it, this, that, whatever. And um, he said, wait till you hear the arrangement. I said, Pete, but what do you mean wait till I hear the arrangement? I said, you haven't heard it. He said, yeah, I wrote it. I said, but you haven't heard it yet. He said, I got it in my head. That's great. Yeah. And we went into the studio, and it was just magic. And how many records did Venus sell? A lot. Oh, I wish I got paid for as many as it Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> and, and that's the Teen Idol thing. Basically, hap starts to happen at that point. No, before no, that. A, before that, before oh, Venus. yeah, yeah. Okay. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll never forget calling uh, Dick Clark on the show live, the American Bandstand, and he said, Frankie, you got anything new coming out? I said, I've got a song coming out, Dick, and I think it's, I love this song, and I hope that the kids like it too. And I said, he said, what's the name of it? I said, it's called Venus. And now, what was happening with that movie, um, The Idol Maker? Yeah. Well, that's based on Bob Marcucci. Yeah, right. Exactly. Ray Sharkey and yeah. Peter Gallagher. Yeah, and and... Critically acclaimed movie. It's a good movie. Yes, very good movie. Taylor Taylor Hackford. What happened in that, uh, you know, Fabian uh, had come to me and said, we ought to sue because they really took our lives without any uh, saying yes to, you know, or or any kind of a deal, you know. The Tommy D character is based on you and the Peter Gallagher character. Right, is Fabian. Right. And I said, uh, you know, Fabe, I can't do it. This guy made my life. How can I do that? not really knowing that if I sued, it really wouldn't be Bob Marcucci. It would have been Transamerica or the studio, yeah. you know. But for some reason, I said, I can't do it. He, he made my whole life, you know. And I didn't. Fabe wound up suing and got some money out mm-hmm. of it, but uh, I didn't. Nothing, nothing in the movie is – I've heard you say you distance yourself from, from the way the characters portrayed, that things didn't really happen that way. No, no. Uh, they made me a, a pill-popping kind of a guy, and, and I wasn't. You know, I was a – Working trumpet player. Right. And do you remember the song from the movie? I don't. I haven't seen it in years. Baby, 
Baby, I just want to take you where I'm going. Really? Peter Gallagher sings that. Oh, that, that was the Fabian character. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Interesting guy, though, Bob Marcucci. Oh, Interesting yeah. Interesting life. And he was the idol maker. He really was. I mean, yeah. he took, when he found me and started and had belief, you know, why, I don't know, but he had belief. And I was dating a little gal uh, in the neighborhood there, and she was in junior high school, and uh, she said, you know, there's a kid uh, in our school here that girls just go crazy for. And I said, what's his name? She said, Fabian. I said, Fabian. All of a sudden, all I know is that Bob Marcucci found him in the neighborhood. His father had a heart attack. Oh, and there's an ambulance parked on the street? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a strange story. Yeah, and, and, and Fabian is standing outside waiting for the ambulance or whatever, and Bob Marcucci sees this good-looking kid because he looked. He was a combination of, uh, of Elvis and uh, Ricky Nelson, you know, good-looking boy. And uh, Bob signed him and, and uh, started it. He what, made... The, no musical background whatsoever. No, just no. a kid sitting on a stoop. Right, right. <laughs> on a street. But you know what? He, he, Fabe, all through his career, and even to this day, because we do a, a show called Golden Boys, mm-hmm. and it's Bobby Rydell and Fabian and myself, three guys from the neighborhood. And uh, he's still as popular as ever. He had a quality that people just loved, you know, uh, he 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 says, you know, I'm not the greatest singer, but you know, he he does a great job on stage. They love him. They stand uh, when he when he finishes his uh, his set on the. Uh, he had a big show. career. Yeah, yeah. So why was a hit, and Venus was a hit, mm-hmm. and Dee Dee Diner was a hit, and you're getting mail, lots of mail, twelve thousand pieces like a week or something like that. Yeah, right. But you know, interesting about the song, why? Uh huh. That's the last number one song that ended the decade of the fifties. It was December 31st. It was number one. Interesting. 1959. So with the 12,000 pieces of, of fan mail a week, yeah, the studios come calling. and That's what happened. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers says, uh, hey, uh, this kid, uh, he's got a following. Uh, let's get him in with a major star, and uh, he'll bring in some uh, young people. Did it have so, something to do with the fact that Elvis was doing movies at that point? And they probably. Thought, yeah. Probably. And I went in, and I did my first picture. Uh, called Guns of the Timberland with Alan Ladd. That's great. Yeah. Jeannie Crane, Gilbert Rowland. And, um, you know, it it started my whole... And and it was the first movie that was written and produced by Aaron Spelling. Interesting. It was a young producer who hadn't done anything to that point. Now, jumping up ahead, how did you get that part in Greece? You know, that's that's really something. First of all, I had seen Greece here on Broadway. I did a promotion. I was playing the Copacabana, which was like the spot to play. And they had asked me to do this promotional thing, a marketing thing, a, a tie-in. Uh, and I went to the uh, theater, wherever the what theater it was playing at. And I met the cast in the, at the time. And I, I watched the play. And years went by, three, four, five years, whatever. And I was playing golf at Lakeside Country Club, and I come off uh, the first nine. I went in to get some uh, cold drink, and my manager was there, and he says, uh, I got the script, uh, Paramount wants you for this picture. I said, what is it? He says, it's called Grease. I said, uh, what role? He said, Teen Angel. I said, forget it. <laughs> and I went, and I played the back nine. I come back in. And he's still there. He says, they will not accept no. 
they said, at least would you please come in and talk with them? I said, all right. So I go to Paramount, and uh, we're sitting around the table with Alan Carr, the producer, and Stigwood, and the director, Randall Kleiser. And he says to me, why don't you want to do this? I said, listen, fellas, I, I, I love the show. It was great. But, you know, the, the character of Teen Angel is an extension of Elvis. And I'm not that. I, I've got a style that I sing. And in, in the play, you know, he's all in black and long sideburns. They said, we'll change it. We'll ch- we want you for this role. So they changed it. And uh, I got by a piano and I, I did my rendition of the song. They put it all in white. I'm all in white and all this other stuff. I, six days rehearsal on the sound stage and two days of shooting a five-minute song. You know, So they really took time with it. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it. You know, um, I, I did and, four takes on it. And, and you were uh, concerned that they were going to make you look like a joke. I oh, think, very yeah. much so. I said, look, I don't want to be treated and handled like, you know, when I come on the screen that, you know, this is a joke, you know. Well, the, the thing that just thrilled me to death was when they previewed the, the screening uh, in, in Hawaii, believe it or not, um, the, the writer, I can't remember her name, but a very big writer, uh, wrote the article and review of the picture and said, when Frankie Avalon comes on the screen, there's a yell. When Frankie Avalon <laughs> leaves the screen, there's an applause. Well, it's a great, it's a great, funny little song, and you sing, you you sing yeah. it. You have to sing it straight in a way, but you also have to play the comedy. Oh, right. Which you do. I mean, yeah. you're singing songs about a, about a hooker. Your only customer right, is a hooker. Right, right. I'm going to the big malt shop in yeah. the sky. But you, but you find the laughs. I mean, it had to be sung by somebody that, uh-huh. that could do comedy. Well, you know it, it, what's amazing about that? Even today, I mean. Uh, I'll meet uh, someone who's 12, 13 years old. You know, they know that picture. That picture goes on forever. It's amazing. I have met people that have said to me, I've seen that picture. They count 63 times, 28 times, you know. And if it's on television, if you are surfing the channels and you see Greece, you'll stay with it. Oh, my wife's obsessed with it. You don't, you don't get off <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's an amazing – and now when I'm, I'm, I'm being directed by Randall Kleiser, um, second day of shooting, he comes to me and says, Frankie, do you remember me at all? And I said, from what? He said, the beach pictures. I said, no. He said, I was one of the extras. Oh, wow. So he was an extra in our beach. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. He directed The Blue Lagoon, too, and right, a couple right, other, right, couple other yeah. popular movies. And you worked with another great comedian, Milton Berle. Oh, another uh, genius. I mean, just terrific. He knew everything. He, from the music to the cue cards to the sketches, to, he was just brilliant. Uh, uh, you know, and not only, he would call me at times and say, let's go to the um, motion picture home. He was really an advocate of, of doing shows. And, you know, you'd go in there and I would see Larry Fine of the Three Stooges, you know, who had a stroke. And, you know, and I would, you know, do in those days I was not only playing the trumpet, but I was doing a lot of impressions. I would do. And What impressions uh, did you do? Oh, I did all of them. And I, I, I ended up doing. Which we was can't the, let you get away with this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the one that I would do uh, and I learned uh, uh, step for step. The uh, Cagney dance and Yankee Doodle Dandy, 
And my whole bit was the fact that uh, it would play da 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 Hollywood, and uh, and my piano player would start playing boom 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 boom, and he would say, uh, and I would say, but you know, actors have to make auditions and uh, to get the part, and he would say, okay, and I would step back, and he would say. Uh, uh, Mr. Wayne, Mr. John Wayne, and I would do the walk, and I'd say, well, what do you want, kid? He'd say, uh, are you ready to do your part? Well, you're damn right I am. And I would do Wayne, I would do this one, that one, and at the end I would do, hi, me, I get you a little janji. And then I learned how to do the dance, and I would finish the dance, and it was, all right, hi, me, I get you a little guy. Uh, so I would do that, and... Uh, I, I, I got to twist your arm, and what, what was some more of the voices? Uh, who would I do? Uh, uh, these were mostly visual things. Yes. I would do yeah. Dracula. Oh, Good great. Evening. Welcome. <laughs> I, I can play the part. Uh, I, I don't you know, know, Gilbert does a little Dracula himself. <laughs> Dude, let me hear it. <laughs> okay. Got to drink some more. <laughs> Look at okay. dueling, dueling <laughs> vampires here. Listen to them. Children of the night, they are... What music they make. (laughs) I can't believe we're doing... Don't be afraid. Sometimes in our dreams, the mind plays strange tricks. (laughs) (laughs) A spider spinning its web (laughs) on unwary play. Pray, the blood is the life, Mr. Enfield. <laughs> Mr. Enfield. <laughs> Spelt backwards, what was it? Yeah. Was Dracula? No. No, Dracula was Alucard. Oh, was that's that, it. That, yeah, and yeah, yeah. son of Frank. Yeah, that, and, right. Son of Dracula. Wasn't that John, John Carradine? Lon Chaney oh, Jr. Oh, Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was great picture. So I can't believe... That me and Frankie Avalon are doing... Doing impressions. Du- yeah, <laughs> dueling Bill Lugosi. But the best one I do... Yes. Nobody does it. And I do this for Rydell, which he's, he falls off his chair. Edwin. Oh, great. <laughs> perfect fool. There he goes. Okay. <laughs> My son, Keenan. Well, I'll tell you this. He's really a good actor, you know. <laughs> Edwin. And I can't believe I stumbled on a Dracula line, so I have okay, to well, do it again. Least, oh, a spider spinning its web for an unwary fly. The blood is the life, Mr. Enfield. It's great. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah, yeah. And remember when he would come down the steps? Oh, brilliant. Yeah, and he walked down, and the girl was always screaming, Someone has been in my room. Somebody, don't be afraid. Sometimes in our dreams, the mind plays strange. You need the sedative, you would say. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. You need the sedative. <laughs> yeah. great. You mentioned did John you, Wayne. Go ahead, Gil. Oh, did you ever work with Lugosi? No. No. No, no he was gone by then, yeah. You you're talking about John Wayne before. Yeah. And so, again, you, 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 you do the Teen Idol thing. That's exploding. Mm-hmm. The studios want you. Mm-hmm. You do the Alan Ladd picture. And now, the Alamo. Yeah. Uh, the Alamo, um, uh, uh, he had called Warner Brothers, and he wanted to see some of the dailies that I was doing with the, the Alan Ladd. He directed picture. that picture, yeah, too, John Wayne. Produced it, directed mm-hmm. it. And he liked what I did and thought that, you know, I was, I was about um, – so we made that picture in 59, so I was like 19. But I was playing like 14, you know. And um, – he put me in the picture and uh, had a great friendship with him. It was really uh, uh, amazing is that my wife 
uh, sister uh, was married to uh, his son, Michael, who produced a lot of his films. Interesting. So I, I really got to know the family, you know. And, of course, working with the Duke, he was tough, boy. He was... I mean, if you weren't in, didn't know your lines or whatever, I mean, he he had Lawrence Harvey in tears. Uh, the only guy he didn't fool with was Richard Widmark, you know, because R- Widmark was such a pro, you know. They were good to you, I heard you yeah, say. Just yeah. terrific. Yeah, just what terrific. was Richard Widmark like in person? You know what? He was a very quiet man. He only, He really only hung out with me and the two guys that I brought with me. Because, you know, I never wanted to leave the neighborhood, you know. I felt very comfortable with... Hucklebuck, which was a guy that I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a guy by the name of Eddie Kadamo worked in the, in the bakery shop. You know? And Sonny Troy was my guitar player. <laughs> and we're South Philly kids, you know. We're doing a picture in Brackettville, Texas, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, can imagine. And we would go to the commissary eat. You know, they built the whole Alamo, replica of, of the Alamo. And we would come back from, you know, and we'd say, what's that snake? You know, just to kind of tease one another until one time we were coming back and Sonny Troy said, watch that snake. I swear my mother. When he said that, there was a snake, <laughs> you know, that, would be, that you knew that he wasn't uh, fibbing then. Now, another person I have to get to from all your beach movies was uh, Eric Von Zipper, played by Harvey Lembeck. Yeah, yeah. Now, what do you... Can you tell us about yeah, Harvey? Yeah, well, I first met uh, Harvey. I worked with Harvey in a picture that I did over at Columbia called Sailor Crooked Ship with Ernie Kovacs and Robert Wagner. Yeah, we have to ask you about Ernie Kovacs, too. Yeah, and uh, he was in the picture. And then finally, when we started to do our first speech party picture, um, you know, he had been around and uh, as a comedy actor, as a serious ass style, like 17. But what was interesting about him was he created that character – it wasn't written like that. He took all of those kids that were the rats, Von Zipper and his rats, mm-hmm. and while we'd be shooting some scene, whatever, he'd be in the other part of a sound stage, whatever, putting all those things together, all those, you stupids, give them the finger and all this. He did all that himself. So he created that character, which became very important in all of our pictures. He was a great guy. I'll never forget, we were shooting some of the pictures, and he would come in and he'd say, and he was also an acting teacher, comedy. And he would come in and he'd say, Jesus, I got this kid that is just the funniest. What a talent, what a talent, what a talent. Kept raving about him. Finally, it wound up to be uh, Ritter. Uh, oh, John, John, Ritter. John Ritter. Ritter. He said, this kid does pratfalls, this, he's funny, faces, that he just raved about him. Of course, you know, John Ritter became a major, major actor. Yeah, I Comedy. did two movies. Yeah. yeah. Both but not from only, but John. television. John yeah. Ritter, oh. you know, with the Three's Company and all that stuff. Another comedian uh, that I have to ask you about is Don Rickles. Oh, I love Don. Don. <laughs> you know, Don was so thrilled to get into the movies. You know, <laughs> he did one picture. Uh, it was called um, uh, the one with uh, Clark Gable. Oh, uh, Run, uh, Run Silent, Silent, Run, Run Deep. Deep. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he tells a great story about, uh, you know, he had one line and there's some and, – and Gable turns to him and says uh, – I'm going to tell you. And, and Rickles was supposed to say something. He went like this. <laughs> <laughs> 
But Rickles, you know, uh, geez, I loved working with him. And his mother, I just loved his mother, Edda. She used to make me the best uh, sandwiches, uh, uh, chicken liver sandwiches. You know, he'd bring them on the set. And well, we had a lot of good times together. Rickles' mother would prepare lunch oh, for yeah. him and you? Yeah, yeah, in a brown bag, you know. Yeah. And, you know, every, I mean, for 12 to 14 hours a day, there were nothing but laughs. I mean, he never stopped, you know, and he was just uh, on all the time. There were a lot of great comics in those pictures, in the beach pictures. And I heard Rickles was very close to his mother. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, you know, he would do an impression of his mother. (laughs) Uh, You know, she adored him, and he loved her, and... Uh, it was great. Uh, I'd go to. The, he lived in an apartment at the time. I took him uh, to play golf one time. I took him to Lakeside. He, he figures, you know. And in those days, you know, they had these anti-Semitic uh, clubs, you know. And I take him in. And he says, "I'm the Jew." <laughs> in the clubhouse, he would yell all over the place, you know. Uh, funny guy. Jesse White, Buddy Hackett, Maury oh, Amsterdam, Paul Lynn, Harvey Lambeck we talked about, and Buster Keaton. I mean, there were so many great comics we'd in, sit in around the beach the, movies. We'd, we'd sit around the set with Buster Keaton. Mike, can you, can you imagine? And he would tell us stories how he started his own studio. Sure. You know, he, he, he thought up all of the gags, the things, the comedy routines, and wrote everything, and how he lost everything. And was really broke, you know, and, and doing our pictures and and loved to, to do movies, you know, and, and wanted to do his own little pratfalls and off the chairs and things, you know. Uh, Wasn't just, that how he got the nickname Buster? Because as a, as a child actor, from he was... Houdini. That's right. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. His parents yeah. used to pick him up when he was a little kid and throw him on stage, <laughs> smash him against the wall, mm-hmm. swing him around, and uh, Harry Houdini Gave said him? to them, you ought to nickname this kid Buster. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, it fit perfectly, didn't it? Wow. Oh, this is in the, the latter years. I mean, he was doing the, the Candid Camera shows then, and yeah, I mean, he, uh-huh. was, he was the biggest star yeah. in yeah. the world. He was like Chaplin, yeah. I mean, in that... Uh, and he was he was no young man when he was doing the movies with you. You know, I I, I think I figured it out. Uh, he must have been about sixty five. And he was doing pratfalls. Oh yeah, and everything. yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted to do his own stuff, you know. And everybody, anything that he did, the crew and the cast would watch him and applaud. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice to hear. The appreciation of this talent, you know. And there was another young talent in some of the, in a couple of the beach pictures, little Stevie Wonder. Oh, gee. <laughs> in meeting Stevie Wonder, um, he was rehearsing and, you know, kind of doing some takes on the song he did. Uh, he was little Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. So finally, uh, we're on a break and we're sitting down. He said, um, uh, can I touch your face, he says to me. I said, sure, Stevie. Because that's the only way yeah. you could feel what I look like, you know. And I s- stayed there, and he looked at me, but he put his hands all over my face, felt my nose, my eyes, and everything, which was kind of really See, interesting. Yeah. I always wondered about that. Yeah. Because in movies, there's always the dramatic, touching moment where someone says, can I touch your face? And I always thought, the blind people really do that. Yeah, he did to me. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was watching some of Muscle Beach Party with, with Stevie. <laughs> and, you know, uh, buddy, buddy Hackett's the spoiled rich kid. And he's on the phone. He's trying to buy Sicily. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he has that great line. He says, all right, buy half. Let Sinatra have the other half. <laughs> and I'm watching this and I'm thinking, it's not every movie that has Buddy Hackett, Stevie Wonder, and a Bond girl. A Bond girl? Uh, was Luciana oh, Pelucci. Luciana Pelucci. Yeah, yeah, Pelucci yeah beautiful from, from Thunderball. We're doing a scene and, uh, on the beach, and it's a night scene. I'd come in from night surfing, you know, and those days you'd smoke in the, in the scene or something, you know. And, and all of a sudden, we, and I'm, I'm kind of wandering away from Annette at this point, you know. And uh, we get to talking, and she really has uh, the hots for Frankie, you know. And we get to uh, the last part of the scene is where we embrace. And I see I got a wetsuit on, you know, a big yellow <laughs> wetsuit. And I take her in my arms, and I'm kissing her and kissing her, you know, and I'm waiting for the director, Bill Asher, cut, okay, the, the, that's a print, whatever. And we're kissing and kissing and kissing and kissing and kissing and kissing. Finally, after I don't know how long it was, I look. The crew, everybody left the set. set. (laughs) You were telling us they were quickies. I mean, you made these films in... 15 days. 15 days. Each one of them. Yeah. Yeah. American International Pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And what else do you remember about Buddy Hackett? Well, I I felt as though Buddy Hackett and Don Rickles were really in competition with one another. Oh, yeah. On the set, you know. (laughs) Who tried to be funnier, you know. (laughs) And, you know, they were both very funny guys, you know. But uh, but they got along well, and uh, Buddy was a little um, nuts. Yeah, we've we've had other guests tell us that. (laughs) Yeah, oh, yeah, Yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, I I remember one thing, uh, you know, I come into work, and I, I, I was doing a picture, too, at the same time. I was doing a picture called Sergeant Deadhead, and I was commuting from Las Vegas. I was playing at the Sands. I was under contract at the Sands at the time. And Sammy Davis said to me, uh, you're doing a picture and doing this? He said, I got the answer for you. He said, here's what you do. Because I would fly in after a day's shoot, you know, and be on stage by 8.15, opening for, because I was the singer, for like Alan King or somebody like that. And I couldn't get on another flight until 6 in the morning. So by the time the second show was done, 12, 31 o'clock, I couldn't sleep. So Sammy said to me, here's what you do. You call, you get an ambulance. He said, and after your second show, get in the ambulance. It'll be air-conditioned. You get on the cot there, and you tell the driver six to seven hours, and you sleep. You get to the studio, you shower, and you do your day's work. And I did, and it worked for me. It was really a great suggestion Sammy gave me, you know. Now, uh, Gilbert owns a, uh, a strange item in, in his house. He has a life mask of Vincent Price. So we have to ask yeah. you about Vincent Price. Yeah, and, uh, I have life masks of Vincent Price, Bela Lugosi, and Lon Chaney Jr. Wow, what a trio, huh? And Great. you worked with yeah. Vincent Price on yeah. Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine? Yeah. What a gentleman. What a gentleman. And again, a pro. And, uh, you know, a, a connoisseur of wines, paintings, and a brilliant man. Just mm-hmm. sit down and listen to him. Tell stories or talk, you know, was just uh, just a, a thrill for me, you know. He was very nice, very nice man. Does it ever occur to you you're on the set of these movies and you're, I'm, I'm here with Vincent Price and Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, you're thinking, I'm a trumpet player, I'm a I, serious that's musician. Right. Exactly, yeah. How did I get here? I don't know. I just went along with everything. You know, it, it, it just amazes me, you know. 
you know, Gilbert, you, you get in front of audiences, you play in front of 50,000, 75,000 people, a million people, 100 million people, you know, and you just don't think of it. Yeah, you're scared, you're shaking, but you ain't showing it. You know, that's, that's what we do. But I mean, one day you're in South Philly playing the trumpet, and then you're, suddenly you're fighting a sea monster with Walter Pigeon <laughs> and Peter Laurie. Right, exactly. <laughs> Not only that, getting on a horse. The only horse I got on was at the end of the street for a dime. You went up and down. You know? Did you take acting lessons when <laughs> yeah, the I movie did. career yeah. started? Yeah, yeah I really did. Okay. I came to New York here, and you I studied threw yourself with him. into it. Uh, uh, a fellow by the name of Wynn Handman. He was a very good uh, teacher. As a matter of fact, he he taught red buttons and a lot of a lot of. The, and then when I went out to Hollywood and started doing a lot of pictures, I studied at. Uh, uh, Columbia, so yeah. And I heard Vincent Price didn't like Dr. Goldfoot. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, see, now I'm letting you in on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. I mean, he, he, he had a lot of fun doing it. We were up in San Francisco doing it. Uh, it was a cute little pitch. I'd loved working with Fred Clark. Wow, is he terrific? Yeah. Another oh. funny guy. Yeah. And you also, because you mentioned it before, I, I, I kind of wonder if you worked with him too. Uh, Edwin's son uh, Keenan. Keenan. Yeah, you worked with Keenan. Keenan, we did. I think Bikini Beach or one of them. You know where he played the uh, the old guy. Uh, that, that what are these kids know? What are they doing? Oh, yeah. You know that kind of stuff. You know? <laughs> he was always a fun actor. Oh yeah, very good actor. Like him in the Great Race with Tony Curtis. Oh yeah. Oh yes. And Jack Lemmon. <laughs> so, you know, you see some of those old black and white pictures that he was in uh, as a real good actor, very serious actor. And about uh, you, you, since you mentioned Ernie Kovacs, and we Gilbert and I know very little about Ernie Kovacs. We haven't had anybody on the show. Talk well, I don't about think Ernie too Kovacs. many people really know about Ernie Kovacs, including myself. I mean, I worked with him, and of course, you do scenes with him and all this other stuff. I played his nephew in the picture, but you know, he was quite the uh, gambler. Um, and if he wasn't on the set doing scenes, he was in his dressing room. Playing gin with some heavy players, they they were playing, betting some big Mervyn Leroy, the director, these guys, you know, and he would. We'd have to wait for him to, you know, finish a game or something to get out of his dressing room. I just got a flashback. What's that? There was a TV movie about Ernie Koufax starring Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum yep. and um, what's her name from uh, uh, Cloris Leachman as his mother. Mm. Really? <laughs> yes. Mm. I didn't know Cloris Leachman played his mother. I remember yes. Jeff Goldblum playing Ernie Kovacs. Yeah. Well, the worst and he thing, passed away soon after well, you made well, that what, picture. What happened was this. I was out promoting for Columbia, Sailor uh, Crooked Ship was the name of the film. And while I was out there doing television, doing radio, promoting the picture, I had gotten the word that uh, he was uh, in a car accident and died. On Sunset Boulevard in the rain... He was driving his Rolls Royce and lost control, hit a tree or pole, and was killed. Yeah. Yeah. Great, ta- uh, great talent. He, oh. was, he was one of those that's always credited for realizing stuff is on film and you can do tricks. You could do things that you can't do in vaudeville. Yeah, well... He he was an innovator. I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff that's developed through the years, you know, he did things, you know, silly things, but they were brilliant things, uh, dripping water things and, and music that come. I mean, you know, the Nairobi he, Trio. Yeah, yeah, he he was brilliant. Uh, other other performers were just doing film stage shows, right? And he took advantage. Yeah, yeah, he 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 was big in television. He was another Philadelphian. 
He was from Philly. Started at one of the local television stations and then developed and went on to big uh, networks. And you worked with Bob Hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Loved working with Bob Hope. Um, did uh, a picture called... Um, I'll Take Sweet. I'll Take Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that was the theme song. I'll take Sweden, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take Sweden home, sweet home. Yeah, uh, but he was a, a great guy. And uh, when we did that picture, what really was neat about him that I think about, first day of shooting, you know, everybody's uptight. I don't care who you are, what you are, but, you know, you're in the makeup uh, room and you're getting made up. And uh, I was getting made up and, and Hope walked in and, Next chair over, he's getting made up. You know, he talks to everybody. He tells a joke, this and that. And he looks over to me, and, and then he says, you know, Jesus, I'm really nervous today. I, gee, I, just the first day I get so nervous. He was trying to relax me and who else, you know. <laughs> but he wasn't nervous. Come on, he was Bob Hope, you know. And every shot that we did, the opening uh, day of, of, of day's work, he would get in front of the crew and tell at least two to three jokes. And then start shooting. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Now, I have to get to this because I get to this on just about every one of my podcasts. Mm -hmm. You worked with Cesar Romero. Yeah. Okay. Yes. A few watch, times. Watch it, Frankie. Okay. <laughs> Here's the story I yeah. heard about Cesar Romero, legendary song and dance man and Latin lover, that in, in person he was gay. And uh, to quote Jerry Seinfeld, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but I heard, the story that I heard was that he would gather like these young boy toys around him and he'd pull down his pants and underwear and have them all fling orange wedges at his ass. I wish you could see Frankie Avalon's <laughs> face, folks. Now, <laughs> I wish we, are I you wish making we were, that up? I wish no, we were on I, videotape. I, I, the he, only, he asked Adam West the same question. The, the only argument I've gotten, some people say it was tangerine. With. <laughs> we want to get that You know right. what? I, I've never heard that. I mean, I, honestly, I mean, I worked with him. I did uh, Sergeant Deadhead. I did, uh, I don't know how many pictures with him. Skidoo. Uh, three or four, Skidoo. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had heard that he was gay. I never saw anything anything at all never saw any young toys around yes. nothing like that as a matter of fact we went to a, a strip joint one time with arnold stang and Cesar Romero. <laughs> so i you buried the lead frankie uh, yeah. the strip so, joint with caesar romero right, and arnold yeah. stang but is it true that half of the budget of that movie went to buying citrus fruit <laughs> 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 makes sense yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your uh, your part in Casino and working with Scorsese and De Niro. That had to be... Uh... Oh, well, what, what happened was this. Uh, it was a weekend. It was like a Friday or Saturday, and I was at home with my wife and kids, and the phone rings, and my wife uh, comes over to me. She said, it's for you. It's a Bobby De Niro. She didn't know. She figures it's a guy from South Philly, you know, it's Bobby yeah. De Niro. <laughs> So I get on the phone. He says, hey, Frankie, we're doing this picture, and you were the first guest on Lefty's show. And, you know, Marty likes to be right on target with the reality of it. He said, would uh, you come in and do that scene that you did? Because we have the tape of it uh, when you first did it. I said, uh, when you want me to do it? He said, how's Monday? I said, I'm off. So I flew in, and um, 
I sat with Marty uh, Scorsese, and uh, I looked at the film, and word for word, I did exactly what I did on the so Ace show. So Ros- Ace Rothstein was based right. on... Right, yeah, right. And uh, De Niro, uh, very much into his character. I mean, uh, when we were shooting uh, all day... Uh, it took us about 12 hours, and Pesci and I have been friends for a long time, and Pesci was waiting for me so we can get some meatballs at Joe Pig's place. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as I'm working with De Niro, you know, he's very much in the camera. He says, Frankie, you know, there's cameras all over. Marty's got cameras up there, this, that, whatever. So he's filming us from all angles. I said, okay. So uh, all he wanted to talk to me about was, how's Annette Funicello? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's great. You know, cut. Um, Is she still married? All he wanted to know was Annette. You know, he must have been a fan of her. He must have been. Yeah. yeah. Or or just a a fan of the Mouseketeers. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Can you do an imitation of either Martin Scorsese or Robinson? No, no, I can't. No, no. can you? No, I, <laughs> I sometimes I do Martin Scorsese. The man does Cagney and Lugosi, isn't yes, that enough yes, for you? Yes, and, and can Ed win? Ed win, yeah. <laughs> Frankie, have you written a memoir? You've got to write a memoir. You've got to write a book. So many stories. Oh God, I can go on forever, ever. Yeah. Has it occurred to you? Have you thought about it? Um, at times, yeah. yeah. You know, there, there's so many different aspects of. Thank God, a, a, a long-lasting career. You know. We talk about movies. Sure, but I think even people would be fascinated Television. by the idol maker yeah. stuff and that, yeah, that, that whole that stuff. Yeah. And and I think you're mentioned, if I'm pr- pronouncing <laughs> um, I can't even say pronunciating it correctly, that you're uh, mentioned in the Wu-Tang Clan. You got it. <laughs> yes. Wow. Wu Tang Clan, which is a, it's a it's a it's a hip hop <laughs> rap group that mentions you in one of their lyrics. Oh really? Yeah. Yes. I mean that shows how you're still relevant. Well, good today. Like you that. Are. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's very nice. I mean, you know, I'm 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 a guy that uh, I don't watch much television. I go to a movie now and then, or whatever. You did American Idol a couple uh, of years ago. Yeah, 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 that was fun. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, um, uh, we'll go out, my wife and I uh, will be out, and there'll be somebody, and she'll say to me, you know who that is? I said, no, I don't. She said, that's a big star. I said, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. And they'll come over to me. Hi, Frankie, how are you? you know, I'm a fan of this or that, whatever. So it's really nice. It's, uh, but I don't know a lot of the people today. It's been a journey, though, Frank, huh? From, from, sure from, has, yeah. From crashing a party to Al Mar- at yeah. Al Martino's house All the to way, working yeah. with Keaton and I know. Lucy and, I know. And, uh, and John Wayne and Groucho yeah. and Keaton. And, and I said, I said Buster Keaton. And Bing Crosby. And Crosby. I mean, do you pinch yourself? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, just in awe of these people, you know, the work with Bing Crosby. Yeah. Wow, what a thrill that was. And he, he you want to talk about a master. We had been, uh, he had a television show, and I was with Vicky Carr. We were playing Young Marrieds. And um, after one of the uh, takes that we did, uh, one of the producers came over and said, Bing, you know, we got to do this uh, PS spot, the uh, public service announcement there. And they had the cue cards, you know, and he said, okay, let me see it. And uh, they put up the cue cards and the camera on the side of the camera, and he went, okay, take them away. Hi, right, Bing Crosby here. Well, now, I want to tell you this. And he started to do word for word. I'm saying, look at So I said, Bing, you looked at it once, and you just did the whole thing. He said, well, well, when you get to be doing as long as I am, 
you'll do the same thing. Not, not really. <laughs> wow. He was, and yeah. he does Bing, too. And, and there's one other actor I had to bring up who's known uh, primarily... Another actor who's known primarily as Jerry Seinfeld's Uncle Leo, and that's this actor, Len Lesser. I don't know if you remember him at all. Oh, yeah, I think he was in a oh, couple of the beach pictures. Yes. You know what? I yeah. do remember him. Yeah. He's a neat guy. He's in uh, Kelly's Heroes, a uh, uh, Clint Eastwood picture. He's pretty prominent in that picture. Yeah, but he, he was in a picture we did called Fireball 500. That's right. I played uh, Dave Owens, the Fireball, whatever it was. And he, yeah, he was in that picture, yeah. I remember him. Yeah, you know who was another wild guy actor, Timothy Carey. Oh sure. You oh yes, sure. yes. Oh, I'll tell you from the this. Wild One. Yeah, and the one with Kirk Douglas, the the World War One movie. Oh, Paths of Glory. Paths yeah. of Glory. Boy, right. you you know your pictures, don't you? Well, Frank? I research. I researched the guests. Wow, Convicts <laughs> Four with Ben Gazzara. That's right. He was in. But what was the one where, where the roach was? Wasn't that where he was in a jail cell and he smacked the roach? Yeah, I'm trying to think the... of which one that was. Yeah, very well, odd looking. A strange, very strange odd guy. Looking. Yeah, Strange guy. And we were doing one scene in one of the beach things. And he played uh, uh, South Dakota Slim, Minnesota Fat, South Dakota Slim. <laughs> Come on, booby. <laughs> and we were doing this one scene. And Bill Astor, our director... All he had to do was open a door, and everybody would go down this little chute, you know. And, 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 but he went, he jumped up, uh, cut, uh, Bill would say, uh, uh, Tim, we don't need all that. Just open the door. The gag is to fall down there. But he will, okay, and action. <laughs> he, wouldn't, he had to let him go. And it, it really made the scene, I think, you know, because he, he stuck to his guns there. Yeah, then Brando used him again in One-Eyed Jacks, the, yeah. one, the one picture he directed. Good actor. He, he, he would come in and tell us strange stories about his wife having a baby, and he delivered the baby and bit off the umbilical cord. And I mean, it's strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santopadre. And I'm Gilbert Gottfried thanking my fellow... Ah, uh, teen idol. <laughs> Frank, is there anything you want to plug before we run off? Yeah. Um, no, let me see. What am I? No, I, I'm with the Golden Boys, Dick Fox's Golden Boys. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's Bobby Rydell and Fabian and myself. And we do uh, about 15, 20 concerts a year. And I'm still out there myself. I still do that. I've got a book coming out, uh, not about my memoirs or any of that. But it's a cookbook because I love to uh. cook. And uh, it's for St. Martin's publication. So that'll be out pretty soon. Oh, and you told me that for. Former teen idol Bobby Rydell does an imitation of, of me. You, loves you, <laughs> does lines, jokes, and everything, and he's perfect. You got to have him on the show. I have to. Well, just, I, just I got to hear do that. that. Yeah, yeah. I got to hear Bobby Rydell. Uh, and I'll tell you, one of the most talented guys, funny guys. I mean, he does it all. I just love Bobby Rydell. He's a real dear friend. It's been great, Frank. Thanks. Hey, for thanks, it. Frank. It's been and great. Thanks, Gilbert. Still handsome. Still. (laughs) And versatile. And versatile. And a guy who can challenge me to a Lugosi imitation. (laughs) 
And he confirmed the Cesar Romero story. <laughs> right. Yes. He was there. <laughs> Frankie Avalon was there when Cesar Romero had orange wedges flung at his ass. He was there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you Gilbert, Frankie thank you, Frank, Avalon. Thank you. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.